Our gospel reading this morning is John 8, verses 48 through 59. And this is an interesting uh, section in the gospel of John where we get some back and forth name calling about who's from the devil and who isn't. You know, like you do. And um, Jesus actually has just uh, told people who claim Abraham as their father. He says, no, actually, uh, you're not from Abraham or you would do what he did. Um, but instead, he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. Eesh. Well, let's see how they take to that. Anyway, before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we do thank you for your word, which you have given to us. And Lord, we pray that you would help us this morning as we hear your word read and proclaimed to actually hear it. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, we pray that you would give us minds to understand and hearts that are ready to be changed evermore into the people that you have created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John 8, starting in verse 48, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this, they exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Hmm. Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him. And you have seen Abraham? Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Fast forward a bit. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. After Jesus has died, after he has been raised to life again, after he spent 40 days uh, going around meeting with, eating with, teaching his disciples, he tells them to stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on them in power. So they stay in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. This is the word of the Lord. We have uh, a lot of milestone moments in our lives, and we tend to like to mark those in particular ways. This week, of course, there's graduation going on at high schools and universities around the country. Uh, we've, had, we've had a lot. There will be plenty more to come. But this is one of those milestones where you have seniors who show up and uh, there's, there's something that happens at the ceremony. Do you remember what the symbol is, the sign of graduation is? Oh, I wish you could see what I'm seeing. <laughs> Almost everybody here just did the same little motion here. <laughs> Fantastic. That's exactly right. Yes, you move the tassel from one side to the other. I never can remember which side is which. But they <laughs> yeah, they move from one side to the other. And this, you know, before that's moved, it's like, hey, now hold on. You're still in high school. They move that? Not anymore. It's a, almost a change of identity from high school student to graduate. <laughs> we have other moments like this. Uh, weddings are amazing in this way, where you have two individuals who come in, and traditionally the way that we uh, do weddings, I don't know if you've ever thought about the way the wedding uh, goes as far as who walks in where, who walks out where, but typically you have the bride and the groom enter from different doorways because they're coming in as two individuals, and then they, and they come in at different times, <laughs> they come in different doorways, and yet when they leave, they leave together at the same doorway. They, in other words, they have, this is one way of symbolizing that they have come in as two individuals, and yet they leave not the same as they came in. Now the two have become one, and that there is a, um, there is a unity there that wasn't before. And what are some of the symbols that we use besides the walking in and out? There's the ring, right? <laughs> we have this sign that we typically use uh, that accompanies the wedding. And that is a sign that you carry with you uh, from then on. It's something that you can look back to and you can say, I am not who I was before. I'm married now. That's different. In fact, we even, uh, typically, traditionally, there's often a name change associated with wedding, right? Maybe less the case these days, but traditionally, you have two people coming in with two different names and going out with the same name. There's a name change that takes place. There's another uh, milestone moment that we have all experienced, though we may not remember it. Just being born. That's a pretty big milestone. We celebrate this on birthdays, right? (laughs) 
They celebrate every year that uh, transition from being inside the womb to outside of the womb, where your entire environment has changed. The amount of light is different. The level of warmth (laughs) is different. (laughs) The way that you get food and oxygen is different. Everything is different. And what is one of the first things that happens when a child is born? They get a birth certificate, and they say, what is the name? (laughs) And the parents give this child officially a name. We are going to be looking this morning at a time in Abraham's life. I say Abraham. We're going to be looking at the time when Abraham gets the name Abraham. And it is a moment like this. This is a before and after kind of moment in his life. There's going to be a sign associated with this change in his identity. There's going to be a name change. Before he was Abram, from here on out, he's going to be Abraham. His wife is going to get a name change from Sarai now to Sarah from here on out which will make it a lot easier for me because that's what I tend to call them anyway. So as we move forward, there we go. But this is, uh, to bring us up to speed on when this is happening, in Genesis chapter 12, we saw God take this man, Abram, and just kind of picked him out of everybody and had said to him, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Since that time, Abram has gone from his father's household to the land that God has shown him. He's had several highs and lows as it comes to walking with God and trusting him in everything. Uh, we see him go down to Egypt and instead of bringing blessing to the people there, ends up making things much worse for them because of Abram's own lack of faith. We see uh, last week we saw uh, Abram and Sarai think, well, maybe the way that God is going to fulfill his promise is not through Sarai. Maybe it's just through Abram. And so they get uh, one of Sarai's Egyptian slaves And Abram has a child with her. And God says, no, no, no. (laughs) This is not the way. But in that, it's been years since then. It has been 13 years since Hagar's son is born. 13 years. How many other children does Abram have? None. None. So he has the one now. We've been keeping track of how many kids Abram has, his father of many nations kind of thing. He has one child, but not with Sarai. And, uh, but at this point, God has only said it's going to be from Abram, so who knows? Well, picking up the story then, after all this time, Genesis 17, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Response? Abram fell face down. And God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be 
Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. Let's pause. This is what God has said in verse uh, four. You'll notice it says, as for me, notice this uh, phrase throughout this passage. In verse 9, God will then say, as for you. And then in verse 15, as for, your, as for Sarah, your wife. And then in verse 20, as for Ishmael. He kind of takes it one person at a time as he talks about uh, each of them. But he starts with himself. God, who begins with himself and says in verse 1, I am God Almighty. <laughs> Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Uh, then I will make my covenant between me and you and, and will greatly increase your number. So what is this covenant that he's going to make with him? What is it that God is saying, here's what I'm going to do, here's what you're going to do, right? This is the arrangement. So what is it that God is going to do? That's what we have in verses 4 through 8. There, is, there are a couple things. One, we have... Uh, in verse 8, we have the whole land of Canaan. We now reside as a foreigner. I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. Uh, verses 7 and 8, we have uh, him saying that he's going to be their God. And that gets repeated multiple times. This is a big part of it. But the thing that comes back with repetition again and again and rephrased in a bunch of different ways is this idea I'm going to give you lots and lots of descendants. Do you get that impression as you read through this? Again, how many does Abram have at this point? Not very many. How old is he at this point? A little too old to be thinking about having lots and lots of kids. As I have said uh, before, when we look at Abram and Sarah laughing, like, there's a good reason they laugh. There's a reason that we don't have maternity wards in nursing homes. <laughs> this kind of thing doesn't happen. And yet, this is exactly what God says he's going to do. I'm going to give you lots and lots of descendants. And in fact, this is the name change that is so bizarre, is he changes his name from the name uh, that means, what is it, uh, exalted father? Abram, and he changes it to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. How many kids does Abram have at this point? That might make sense if uh, Abram had lots and lots of kids. It's like, you know, at this point, we should probably start calling you father of multitude, right? God doesn't do it that way. He doesn't wait until he already has that. Instead, he says, this is who you are. This is your identity. And this is what is going to be the case. And it's as good as done. Um, I sometimes talk about that kind of thing in wedding ceremonies, where you have people who are coming together. The two shall become one. They come in as two separate people. They walk out as one. And yet, if you've ever been married for any length of time, 
you know that it takes a while before there's any kind of feeling like one. <laughs> it still feels very much like two individuals going, are we one though? Are we really one? And there's a lot that has to kind of take place over the years. Same with Abraham. He is now being called the father of multitude, and yet there's still a lot of, that needs to happen if he's actually going to be who God says he actually is. So, that's what God's going to do. What's Abraham have to do? Next section. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you for the generations to come. Every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your house or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. All right, did you catch it? What's Abraham supposed to do? He's supposed to get circumcised, right? And uh, there's actually, if you understand what circumcision is as well as where children come from, these two things are connected. (laughs) That's all the detail I'm going to go into right now. But this is what Abraham is to do. He is to get circumcised. And who else is supposed to get circumcised? All his male offspring, right? All his future descendants, males anyway, are to get circumcised. Who else? Is that it? That's not it. Who else is supposed to get circumcised? Everybody. All the males in his household. So we have... Uh, those, including this verse 12, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. What? So this is what Abraham is supposed to do, is everybody who is connected to him somehow is to get this same sign. Why? Isn't, isn't the promise supposed to be through Abraham? That he, it's through his family that there's going to be this blessing to all nations? So wouldn't the sign only apply to his direct descendants? That way you could keep track of that line? That's one way to think about it. It doesn't seem to be what God is doing here. In fact, that gets repeated as we get to the end And Abraham does exactly this. But this is uh, the first, one of the first steps in seeing the way in which everyone connected to Abraham gets the sign of the blessing to all nations that will come through Abraham. Does that make sense? That everywhere Abraham goes and those, those who are connected to him share in the blessing of being connected to Abraham. They are not the ones who uh, carry on that family line, necessarily. Some of them will. 
We'll see that goes actually specifically through one person, that's Isaac. But everybody else still carries that sign of the blessing that comes through Abraham, not just to his descendants, but actually to the whole world. We continue. So that was as for God and as for Abraham. Now we get as for Sarai. So verse 15, God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarah or Sarai, her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, kings, and peoples will come from her. So what is it that God's going to do for Sarai and what is it that Sarai is supposed to do? God is going to change her name too. He's going to bless her, which he says multiple times. And he's going to give her a son by her and make her the mother of nations and kings of peoples will come from her. That's what God's going to do for her. What's she supposed to do? I guess just say okay. That's it. Response, Abraham fell, Abraham fell face down and he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Good question. And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Uh Uh-oh. What just happened here? God has said, here's what I'm going to do for you. And Abraham is thinking, you know, we've gotten our hopes up before, and we're kind of past that. And we already have a son now. I know, maybe not the one you had in mind, but still, he's here. And why don't we just work with that? Right? Let's not get our hopes up one more time. Verse 19, then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So that that is what's coming. Don't be too short-sighted here, Abraham. (laughs) Don't think you know better than I know. Trust me, this is the way that it's going to play out. But, as for Ishmael, as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. Wow. This is why we see Abraham now being called the father of nations, plural, (laughs) instead of just a nation. But, he says in verse 21, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. All right. So what does Abraham do with this message? Verse 22, when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money every male in his household and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. This is one of those moments where we see this relationship between Abraham and God. The back and forth as they're talking uh, through these kinds of things. We see the promises that God makes to Abraham 
the things that he asks him to do, and the response of Abraham. And we've talked about how, you know, Abraham kind of has these high and low moments of times where he really is trusting and believing God, and there are times, and maybe not so much. And we see a little of both here, don't we? When God says, it's going to be through Sarah that you're going to have this child, and Abraham's response is to laugh. To laugh the same way you did when I said there's a reason we don't have maternity wards in nursing homes. It's ridiculous. Abraham laughs because he doesn't, he doesn't want to get his hopes up, but he also doesn't necessarily believe that this is what God is going to do. And yet, when God says, okay, but here's what I want you to do. Here's the sign. And this is a sign, actually, of Abraham believing God and trusting that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And what is the sign? Circumcision. And what does Abraham do? He's circumcised. And if you read the descriptions kind of back and forth between what God said, who all is supposed to get circumcised and who Abraham actually does circumcise, yeah, he is following exactly what God says to do. In other words, he is demonstrating his faith and showing that he does believe uh, that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. So, the lesson for us is everybody needs to go get circumcised. No, that's not it. (laughs) That's not it. It's actually a weird thing that happens between Abraham in this moment and us. This was a very pivotal moment in Abraham's life. He gets the name change. He gets the sign that goes along with it. This is a high point milestone moment. It's also not just a milestone moment for Abraham himself, but in the biblical story, this is one of those moments, a high point moment. But as we carry forward from there, something changes. And so you get into the New Testament and you start hearing Paul saying things like, circumcision doesn't matter. And we're like, what do, you, what do you mean circumcision doesn't matter? I read back in Genesis 17, it really seems like it matters. It's like, no, no, that's not what matters. And there's a reason why. We don't have time to go into all of it, but here's, uh, here's a part of it. Is this was a sign that was uh, taking place to identify these people who are connected to the family of Abraham as we wait for the one to come who will be the one through whom all nations on earth will be blessed. What do we start seeing at Pentecost? When Jesus has gone away, he said, I'm going away so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on God's people. And they immediately begin declaring uh, who Jesus is to the world. And it is through him uh, and through this message that all nations on earth will be blessed. This is why we see that list of hard-to-pronounce names in Acts 2. Because we are seeing the beginning of all nations on earth being blessed through Jesus. And this is what the Holy Spirit has come to bring. And it is because of this that when Peter gets up then and speaks to the crowd and tells them about Jesus, they respond by saying, okay, so what do we do? Now that this is the case, what do we do? And he doesn't tell them, well, you need to go get circumcised. 
What does he say? This is the end of uh, Acts chapter 2, in verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Does that sound like familiar language? This is the promise. It's for you and your children and beyond. And the sign that we see in the New Testament as those who are belonging to the people of God is no longer circumcision. It's baptism. That is what marks the people of God. That is what marks the people who have uh, been identified as those who belong to him, who have that connection to Jesus. In 1 John, in 1 John chapter 3, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. If we have if we have been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we have a new identity. We are those who are called the children of God. We are those who are heirs of his kingdom. We are the sons and the daughters of the king. We are the ones that the Father has welcomed with open arms when we have come back from having gone our own way. We are those, the sheep, that the good shepherd left the 99 to come and find. We are like the lost coin who when found, there was great rejoicing. When we have those moments like I talked about earlier, like Peter on the water, we recognize that we are doing the impossible because we are doing what Jesus has called us to do. And we recognize it's impossible in our own strength. Abraham can't have kids by himself. This is going to take an act of God. Peter can't walk on the water. It's going to take an act of God. We can't spread the good news to all the nations and make disciples of all nations. It's going to take an act of God. And when we find ourselves in those moments saying, I can't do this, we can remember our baptism. Like a married person who looks down at their wedding ring and says, I'm not single. I don't live like a single person anymore. I'm married. In the same way, we look, look back to our baptism and say, I am not who I used to be. I am a child of God. And he has made promises that he will fulfill. I'm just supposed to trust him in that and continue to do the things that he's called me to do. With that, um, 
I would invite you, if you have never been baptized, to consider that. Uh, it is not by being baptized that, uh, that anything magical happens, but it is the sign of being connected to God and to his people. And if you have been baptized, I would encourage you to remember the new identity that you have. There's a quote in The Chosen where one of the characters, no spoilers, one of the characters says, I used to be one way, and now I'm completely different, and the thing that happened in between was him. There are milestone moments in history. There are milestone moments in the Bible. There are milestone moments in our lives. There's no bigger milestone in our lives than even when we look at what it means to be born (laughs) as there is to be born again, to have that new identity and a new name as someone who is a Christian. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. Lord, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. And God, we pray that you'd help us in all of our own weakness and faltering and stumbling along the way to remember your word, to remember the promises that you have made to us, to remember your faithfulness. God, help us to remember who we are as your people. Lord, we pray that, our, that we would understand our identity as your children. To be more important than all the other labels people try to put on us. Help us to know who we are in you. Lord, we pray all of this in the name of of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.